I've often said that you can buy a nice house, but you can't buy good neighbors. I have no complaints, and I don't think I have to rehearse that again in your hearing, but I have heard horror stories about people that have turned their worlds upside down in conflict about some of the simplest things. I've seen those little viral videos going around about people pounding fence posts into the ground and pacing back and forth on their tiny little plots, raging at one another about property lines and possession and all those kinds of things. Anyone ever seen anything like that? I hope that you've never, ever experienced it. Maybe it just shows up in my feed because I watched some video somewhere about somebody. I don't know. But recently, uh, it was a a Dateline podcast that Kathy and I had on in the car. The title of the session was Trouble on the Hill. It was an episode that kind of just kind of sticks to you. It was so, so inane. It was so crazy, so stupid. That just, it, it was, it was tragic. It was horrific. It was all those things wrapped up and just how petty people can become. And, and uh, it just told a few stories about three different people. I, I've got the opening and I'll just read a little bit for you. It says, once upon a time, In a paradise by the Golden Pacific, up a quiet private road among the canyons of Carmel, lived three fine people. They were bright and loved and likable and accomplished. The idealistic engineer, so very careful. The crusading defense attorney, so very carefree. The caring nurse. And who could imagine that these three neighbors and what what would become and what they were capable of. And the story started out, it was a bridge that two families required, were required to use. It re- required some repair. And so the one family moved ahead and contracted the work without the other's explicit consent. And that resulted in this fighting and this little war that ensued. And, and it reduced their family's intelligence somewhere to the level of childhood drama. The war finally ended up centering on a small eight-by-eight-foot plot that somehow must not have been properly divided in the property surveys. And so when the land was sold, this small piece of property literally landed right in front of one of the opposing couple's carports. And in the midst of the mess, one, one, man or, or one couple ordered this huge stone to be placed on the property to arrest the ability for the other family to move their vehicles. And by this point, I'm summarizing an hour-long episode into just a few moments and minutes. But by this time, here were these two families literally fighting over a plot of land not much bigger than a piece of plywood. Until this one man who couldn't move his car lured the opposing family down to that stone that they had placed in front of his garage. And, and there... In broad daylight, while his wife was on a night, or while this lady was on a 911 call, murdered the husband and wife. It's horrific, lives lost, the, and, and, and just, just this horrible story about what could have been resolved, but wasn't. And the, the nature of, you know, this mountain area where both families own this great, vast amounts of property, they began fighting about this one tiny plot of land that connected them. The power of proximity. I preached this morning about the importance of 
inviting Jesus into our homes. And I'd like to continue in that vein tonight. If you're wondering why we have this carpet up here, it's not new decor, don't worry. Because I know I could never pick the right one. But here we are, this, this little carpet represents this morning's message about ensuring that we have an invitation for Christ to come into our homes. If you weren't here, it's available online and we won't take time to go through it all. But, but I'd like to continue a bit in that vein tonight about the power of our connection to this Christ. About the power of what God would desire to do if we would draw nigh unto Him. The Bible says, if... We draw nigh unto him that he will draw nigh unto us. There is this promise that God has given to us that the closer that we get to him, the closer he will get to us. It's explicit. It's very plain. I can do that kind of math. If I get closer to God, then God will get closer to me. And if I take one step in God's direction, then I have the insurance and the assurance that God will draw nigh, that he will step and direct his attention my way. I, I like that kind of math. I like the idea that if I just draw nigh to God, I've got this promise that God is going to draw nigh to me. I, I think that's a wonderful hope today. And, and we're just talking about the importance of connecting to God, about the importance of drawing nigh unto God and, and about ensuring that our homes have an open door for Christ to come in. I, does anybody just want to make sure that God knows that you're his, that you're his child, that, that anything that you've got, you, you understand that it's him that has given it to you, that we have this divine connection, that we have this marvelous hope, this promise that he has given to us. I'm wondering if anybody would just kind of clap hands for a moment and let God know you're grateful for everything that he's done in your life. I, I wonder if someone would just continue the praise that began in the praise service for a moment because the Bible says he inhabits the praise of his people. There's power in that. And, and so this morning we talked a little bit about our homes and the desire, I guess, maybe unsaid is what I'll just articulate in this verse that we find in Psalms chap, chap, chapter 127. It simply says this, except the Lord build the house they labor in vain that build it, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. Except the Lord build the house. Uh, uh, we could entertain all kinds of questions, you know, if God is building my house, what, what kind of house is God building? Uh, I think we could look to the, the story that a wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house on the sand. We, we don't want, we don't believe, I don't think God would build an unstable house. I don't think God would build a rickety house. I don't think God's just going to kind of throw a shack up and, and that's where we're going to assemble ourselves. I think that if God is building a house, then God is going to build a stable house. I think that if God is building a house, then he's going to build a house that's fit for 2022. I don't think that God, I tell you what, if we've allowed God and we've invited him to build our house, if we've said, God, there, there's no exceptions to the rule, except the Lord build a house. They labor in vain that build it. I don't want to go through my life in vain. I don't want my weeks to be in vain. I don't want I don't want my days to be in vain. I don't want my hours to be in vain. I don't want minutes to go in vain. So we've got to ensure ourselves that God is building our house. Has anybody just got a desire that God would build your house? I tell you what, I've tried some building on my own and it didn't always work out the way that I planned it. It's more like one step forward, two steps back. One step forward, one step back. 
Three steps forward, two steps back, and somewhere along the line, we, we gain a little bit of ground. But I tell you what, when God starts building your house, it isn't one step forward, one step back. When God begins building your house, it's a forward motion. It's forward movement. It is an insta instability. It's on the rock. I, I just want us to know that in 2022, there is a house that can be built upon the rock. What kind of a house would God build? It would be a strong house. It would be a fortress. It would be enough. It would be a house that we would want to live in. I, I think that we need to ensure that we've made our minds up, except the Lord build the house. I don't want any other options. I don't want any other ideas. I, I just want God to build the house. If you were to look in the Hebrew language, you'd find that the word bet or beth is the prefix for many words that we have come to know. If you've been around the Bible for a little while, you, you probably know the word Bethlehem. It's the house of bread. That word Beth means house. And so Bethlehem is the house of bread. If you looked at the little story, you'd find the, uh, about Bethesda and the the, the place, the house of mercy, the porch, or, or the place with five porches and, and that, <clears throat> that pool where the water was stirred, that place of mercy was called Bethesda. It was the house of mercy. There was Beth Haran, the house of grace. There was Beth Car, the house of the lamb. There was Bethany, the house of affliction. There was Bethsaida, the house of food. Anyone been to Bethsaida lately? A few times. But perhaps my favorite you'll find in Genesis chapter 28. It's a story about a place called Bethel. It's Jacob. He's looking for a bride, but God is looking for a man. A man that he can renew his covenant with. A man that he wants to get his attention. And Jacob, he's weary on his journey. In Genesis 28 verse 11, it says, And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night. Jacob didn't know it yet, but this certain place was a place where God was going to meet him. This certain place was going to become a place that identified his future. It identified who he was. This, this place, this certain place, was a place that God had divinely designed to arrest Jacob's advance long enough to get his attention so Jacob would know that God was on his side. It said that he tarried there all night because the sun was set. It had already gotten dark. He took the stones of that place and he put them for his pillows. And he laid down in that place. The Bible is explicit. That place. This place. That certain place. That place. And he put them for his pillows and he laid down for to sleep. And, and he dreamed. And behold, a ladder set up on the earth. And it reached the, the top of it reached into the heaven. And behold, the angels of the Lord ascended and descended upon it. And Jacob is still in this dream and God begins to renew the covenant that he established with Abraham with his grandson Jacob and Jacob begins to hear the voice of God and he begins to hear the promises of God become revealed and released into his life I am with thee God says, I will keep thee. I will not leave thee. He begins to extend the boundaries and the berries. He said, to the east and the west, to the north and the south, this land is yours, Jacob. And, and Jacob wakes out of sleep and he, he, he begins to understand that this isn't just another place that he's laid his head. He's, he's found a few rocks and, and he takes those rocks and he turns them into an altar. And that altar, he said, you know, God was in this place. I didn't realize, I didn't recognize 
present. This isn't just another location. This isn't just some place that I decided to stop. This is a place that God has defined on my spiritual journey. And he called that place Bethel, the house of God. We all need to have the house of God in our lives. We all need a Bethel. We need that experience where we hear his voice and we understand that God is fighting for us. Talked about that a little bit this morning. We need to understand that God is on our side. We need to understand that, that this place, this house of God needs to become the centerpiece of our lives. It, it wasn't just a, a simple single location that he visited and checked off on his bucket list to say, well, I've been there. I've been to Bethel. The Bible tells us throughout the, the remainder of Jacob's life that, that, that Bethel became a location that God frequently reminded him of, that he reminded himself of and that God called him back to. We've all got to have a Bethel in our lives. We need to have a place that we can remind ourselves that God met with us there. We need to have a place where we can remember that God showed up at the most unexpected time in the most impossible situation that God came to meet with us and that place became a place where God communed and connected with you, where God became real. It wasn't just the God of a grandfather. It wasn't just the God of your mother or your dad. It wasn't just the God of our heritage or our past, but that God met with you right there. I, I'm wondering if someone would just remind themselves right now about a Bethel experience that you've had in your life maybe it was a baptismal tank maybe it was right here before this wall was built and before we tore out a couple of those platforms that this was your Bethel this is where God met with you when you rose out of that watery grave of baptism that God met you there and you realize this is the house of God this is more than just another sanctuary. This is more than just a building. This is my Bethel. This is a place where God met with me. Maybe it's because you built an altar and you laid some things down that, that had been a part of your life or some things that meant a lot to you, but God was requiring you to give it up and you put the, you put the stones down and, and you put the altar there and, and you built an altar to God and that became your Bethel. You need a Bethel in your life. You need a place of repentance where some things that once were are no longer there now. You need a place in your life where you can say, that's where God turned it around. That's where addiction had me. But then I got God and God turned it all around. You need a place in your life where Bethel is more than just a story or somebody else's story. We all need a Bethel in our lives. We need it. We need that for ourselves because there's going to be some rough roads in your life and you're going to have to walk back and say, uh-uh, devil, you can't take it from me because God gave it to me. It's a promise. It's a revelation. It was an understanding. It was a covenant. God said he'd give it and he wasn't taking it back. So it may be a little rough road right now, but I've got my Bethel. You can't take it from me. God reminded him of Bethel in Genesis 31. He said, I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar, and where thou vowest to vow unto me. Now arise and get thee from this land. It was in Genesis 35 that God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God. There's times in your life when God says, hold on a minute. Things are just a little bit sideways right now. You've got to get back to Bethel. 
You've got to go back to the house of God. You've got to go back to that place of dedication. You've got to go back to that place of supplication. You've got to go that, back to that place where, where you just kind of laid it all on the altar. We all, come on, we, we don't have to be ashamed of that. Life requires us sometimes to get back to Bethel. God required Jacob to go back. Arise, go up to Bethel, dwell there. And sometimes it is more than, than just a visit. Sometimes it's more than, than just a, a brief pass through or a pass by. Sometimes God's requiring us to dwell there. To live there for a little while. we got to set up shop. We've got to establish the deal. If the Lord's building the house, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And sometimes God wants your house built right there next to his. Arise and go up to Bethel and dwell there. Not only is it God's house, it's your house. It's the place where God would desire for you to be. I understand the importance of us realizing the importance of God's house. We all need that in our life. We need that experience for ourselves. We need that experience that somebody can't take away from us. We all need the house of God. I, I was intrigued by that, that God required Jacob to go back to Bethel, the house of God, and to dwell there. He said, Jacob, I want your dwelling place to be in my house. I want the place where you live to be in my house. And I know that God's house isn't our, you know, it's, it's not maybe just the center focus of the sermon, but I, I wanted to talk about it just for a few moments. And I won't be a long time tonight. I promise that. And, but I do want to, to just kind of push a, a point a little further that we've already made today. You know, we, we've just kind of discussed, discussed for a moment if God was building our house, what would that house be like? But I have this other question. If God was building our house, where would God build it? Paul's doing the work of the apostle in Acts chapter 18. He's being led by the Spirit. He's bringing revival or riot, depending on how men receive the word that's preached. And he's just kind of turning the world upside down. And God gives him instruction. And... In Acts chapter 18, it says, he entered into a certain man's house named Justice. We can come back to the music. One that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. Whose house joined hard to the synagogue. That Paul, who was called by the Spirit to, to come in and Set up shop with justice. I don't know if justice built this house or he bought it. I, I don't know if it was in his family for generations or if he was just determined that this was where he was going to build his house. Justice, I, I, just, I just like that phrase, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. The synagogue was the place where the word was delivered and the word was dialogued. It was the place where it was debated, where the questions came and Men taught it was that place where the word of God was the priority and it was that place. But justice somewhere in his life, somewhere in his life, he decided, you know what? If I'm going to live anywhere, then I'm going to live in a house that's joined hard to the synagogue. 
This morning, I, I just kind of challenge us a little bit to ensure that we have the welcome mat rolled out for Christ. He's coming whether we want him to or not. He's coming uninvited. He's just going to show up. I'm coming to your house today. But, but I wonder if anybody else has kind of got your mind made up that if I'm going to get to live anywhere, I'm going to get as close as I can to the house of God. I, I just, that phrase stuck out to me. I, I couldn't leave it alone. I read it over and over again and I thought about it. I, and my, I got that little imagination that sometimes runs away on me. I don't know and I, in my mind I could just kind of see this house right up against the synagogue and I imagined that there would be men in there and there would be dialogue and debating about the word and just as he could hear it. His family when they grew, they would hear this dialogue. They'd see men and women who were committed to continue this dialogue about God's word that they would come and they would go and, and that it was normative for the people that Justice saw on a daily basis. His family saw them on a daily basis. It was normal because the synagogue was the center of their community. It was that pivot point. It was the place where they connected. It was community. It was there for them. And, and Justice said of all the places that he could have lived, he didn't say, I, I just want to get on the outside. I want to have an acre of land. And I want to have a John Deere tractor so I can mow a great big plot of grass. And I want it to look pretty. No, no, no. Justice said, you know what? I, just get me as close as you can to the synagogue. He, he called up the real estate agent and said, look, look you got anything next to the synagogue? I remember when we, uh, maybe I've told this too many times, I'll tell it today. I remember when we were moving to Fredericton and the real estate agent met with Kathy and I. She said, you know, where would you like to live? We said, we'd like to live in Marysville. And she said, no, you don't. No, we do. We really do. You see, see, church is there. And what do you got close to the church? I'll, I'll be honest. That little house on 10 Morrison Street was all right for what it was, but it wasn't all that. I don't know what building codes were like in the first century. I do know <laughs> what they were like when these houses went up for Boss Gibson. Just stand it up. Hopefully it'll stay. We bought 10 Morrison Street. It was directly connected. They call it, uh, what do they call it? Where you have a common wall right down the middle. Semi-detached? Duplex? Yeah, something like that. And I remember, thank goodness we had good neighbors. They were a wonderful family. They were elder. I don't know how they handled this young family that moved in. Justin was like three years old. He was zipping up and down the hall in his little... It was a lively spot. There wasn't anything in the attic between us. Apparently code didn't require it back then. That common wall, I don't know if it was two by four thick, definitely wasn't more than that. Don't think it was insulated. If we were nosy, we would have known everything going on. Hopefully they weren't because they would have. But I remember that. But Kathy would say in the mornings, you know, we, they did have a dog. 
We didn't have a dog. Or did we have Gracie then? No, we didn't have Gracie then. We didn't have a dog. Their dog barked. His name was Shadow. Blair, he had a cane and he walked on a cane. And Just was just a little guy. And sometimes he'd walk with, like he had a cane. And just on the other side of the wall, we could hear the dog barking. Actually, it's more like. And then, you know, he was such a, a nice old guy. He wouldn't say shut up to the dog. He'd say shot. 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 And we're on the other side of the wall saying shut up. Shot. Shot. Up. Shot. this little wall. We, we love that house. Kathy, they were, they were wonderful people. If their family's watching, let me redeem us or them. Or it was, Kathy said that in the mornings that when she was doing her devotions that she could hear him on the other side of that wall having his prayer time. It was, it was wonderful. It was, it was great. Other than Shadow, it was beautiful. Shadow. Shot. I don't know. I don't know what building code was required for justice, but I, I have this idea. I have this belief that his house was so closely connected that he could hear the dialogue and he would be part of the conversation even if he wasn't in the room. That somewhere just on the other side of that wall, that dialogue, that continued conversation about God's word and God's goodness and God's greatness and the power of what God could do would penetrate through that wall and his home. It became a part of that, 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 that conversation joined hard to the synagogue. And that <clears throat> Paul, God said, that's where I want you to go. So that's where he went. I, I, I'm not sure of the end of the, the story completely, but we do know we do know that God did some great things in that city. The Bible tells us that because Justice's, Justice's house was there, that Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, it said that God began to move and Justice's house was here. Paul, the apostle, was in that house. And somewhere along the lines, the, the divide was removed. And the chief ruler of the synagogue believed on the Lord with all of his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Let me tell you what can happen when we get our house so closely connected to God's house. That God begins to in, come on, he begins to interact with our community. And the people maybe that are closest to us. Some that we would say, you would never imagine that they would be a part of this. But let me tell you what happened. When our house got close to God, they began to see something different. They began to see something happening. That, that Christmas he began to hear not just a conversation in this side in the synagogue. But he began to hear about the preaching of Paul. And he began to hear about what God was doing in Justice's family. And somewhere the witness overlapped and Crispus's family and his entire household came into faith because somebody was connected. He was joined hard to the synagogue. 
I'm telling you that if we, if we will just join our houses, heart to the house of God, that God could do some miraculous work in our community. That wasn't the end of the story. Acts 18 verse 9. God continued the conversation. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. He said, be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. He said, Paul, you've got a green light for preaching. You've got a green light for revival. This house, this house that justice had this desire to be so connected. That house that was joined hard to the synagogue became the place where the word of God was preached. And God gave Paul the green light. Don't be afraid, but speak. Hold not thy peace. Paul, it's time to let it go. It's time to declare the word. Paul, it's time to call the people to revival. Paul, it's time for the Holy Ghost to fall. Paul, it's time for people to be baptized. Paul, it's time for the altars to be opened. Paul, it's not just about the synagogue in this place. This is the place where revival has a green light. Let's go. Paul, church, let me tell you what can happen when God begins to connect our homes, when we have a desire that we want to get as close as we can to God. God's going to bring a revival that no man can stop. God's going to give us the green light. God's going to say, go for it. Now is the time. Let revival burn. Let the Holy Ghost fall. Let it come. Come on, God. got a green light standing together with me justice I, I i don't know what what you may have done wrong in your past but i know what you've done right you got the right house you got your house so close that you can't even see where the synagogue stops and your house starts. You got as close as you could. I, I wonder if there's anyone that would just kind of make their mind up that you want your house to be as close as it can get to God's house. I'm wondering if there's anyone in the room that's saying I'm making a commitment. I'm making a consecration. I'm determining right now. Come on, we're, we're getting ready to go back into the fall and things are going to start firing up more cylinders than they're firing right now. I get that. I know, I know that the natural, come on, that upswing of the fall, but I'm wondering if someone right now, you can begin to determine what your fall is going to look like. I'm going to make sure that my house is connected as close as it can get to God's house. I'm going to make sure as much as within my power, as much as I can, real estate agent, buy me a house. Get me a house as close as you can to the house of God because I, I need God. someone would just stretch by faith right now because if you if you know scripture you know there's another verse but I want us to prepare in our spirit for what God wants to speak into our midst in the next few moments I'm wondering if someone would just begin to prepare the soil of your spirit I wonder if someone would make room for a seed that God wants to plant because God's going to do something powerful in the next little bit someone praying the Holy Ghost for a moment come on there's a connection and consecration if we'll consecrate right now if we'll make a determination God I am bringing my family I am joining my house 
as close as I can to the house of God. I am drawing as near. I'm getting as nigh as I can get. I, God, I, I don't want there to be a distinction from where the house of God stops and my house starts. If the Lord, except the Lord, unless the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. God, I don't want to do this in vain. I don't want to lose on I don't want to lose the race in 2022 I I don't want to fall at this stage of the game I don't want to miss the mark I want to be come on I want to be a part of what you're going to do in this end time revival Tremendous family month in October. We've got we've got missions conference in November. That isn't just for us. God is drawing us near. God is bringing us as close as He can get us. But He needs reciprocation. He needs someone that says, "If I draw nigh unto God, then He will draw nigh." to me the power of proximity that you see what happens with that power of proximity it, it starts with just something as simple as Justin getting in that house that's right next to the synagogue it's just hard against the synagogue and then Paul shows up and Paul begins to preach the word and Paul begins to impact Justice's house but that's not where it finishes it goes to Crispus the ruler of the chief ruler of the synagogue and Crispus's house and his family are impacted and, and God begins to let the fire that fell on Justice extend and expand and, but that's not where it stops either God says preach the word Paul go ahead you got the green light and so all of a sudden the word is released and extended and expanded into the city and then God goes on he says for I am with thee and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. I just want someone to know that God has much people in this city. But it starts when someone makes a determination that my house is going to stop where God's house starts. I don't want there to be a distinction. I don't want there to be a division. I don't want there to be separation. I don't want there to be any room to get a foothold in and cause chaos and separation. I want revival. I want revival in my home. I want revival in my neighborhood. I want revival in my city. There are much people in this city. Come on. God said, I 
have much people in this city. They've already been identified. They've already been determined whose they are. God said they're mine. No one's going to be able to touch you, Paul. No man's. Come on. Their words won't harm you. They can't stop you. Preach the word because I've got much people in this city. No man's going to be able to stop you, Paul. I'm wondering what God could do if he had families of CCC that say, God, we are coming as close as we can get. What could God do in our neighborhood? What could God do in our city? There are much people. There is a great revival. There is a great harvest. But God's saying, come on, draw nigh. Get as close as you can. Come on, commit. I have much people in this city. And the Bible tells us for the next 18 months, the teaching of the Word of God continued among them. It was an 18-month-long revival. I'd love to see God do it. Come on, we talk so much about the what, but sometimes we got to step back and talk about the why. We need a revival because our world needs a, a revival. We need a revival because... The, the city is looking for somebody that's hot on fire for God. The city, somebody is watching you right now saying, I, I don't know how close are they to the house of God. How close are they? And, and I just wonder if we got close to God that someone would begin to notice and God says, that's where it's going to start. Right there. Come on. You got the green light. CCC, it's going to happen in that neighborhood. It's going to happen in that neighborhood. It's going to happen in your neighborhood. It's going to happen over there. And God has much people in this city. God, would you continue? Continue moving. Continue working. Pastor Jack, how do we do that? I just, I just know that when, when you're close to the house of God, you're close to the word of God. You don't want to, you don't want to miss what God is saying. You don't want to miss what God is speaking. You don't want to miss when God's moving. I, I'm not. I've got no criticism. I have zero criticism. God knows my heart. I've been away for the last week and a half. I don't have a single accusation against anyone that's not here tonight. But here's what I do know. That when our level one priority, when it's possible that this is the place where we are, God says, okay, I can move there. I can move in that home. We talked about God getting out of these four walls and getting into our own four walls. That when our own home, our own homes become the centerpiece, where God becomes the center and, and we begin to revolve around God's purpose and God's plan, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When his word becomes the centerpiece of our lives. Revival can happen. Much people in this city proximity let me just tell you it's I, I don't I, I know that Paul must have preached but I don't hear one of the messages that he preached I just all I heard about is that justice got as close as they could to the synagogue and all of a sudden God started moving God gave Paul the green light that we know that he did preach but we don't know what he preached we know that Christmas was saved we know that much people were in that city the determination of God came I, I just that's what 
That's what we want to hear. We want to hear God's voice. We want to hear God's call. We want to see God moving. We want to see God reaching. We want to see God identifying these people our, our mind. These are my people. I have much people in this city. But God can trust his people to the people have con- who have connected their houses to his house. Our prayer tonight is that God would draw us so close. That little story about those neighbors, trouble on the hill, that little plot of ground became the fishing point, the, the, the dynamite, the, that, that, just that one little spot that big huge rock that landed there so that those people that became that became the the catalyst for that disaster to take place you see it's just a little plot that that, that's what Justin said I I don't want anything between me and the house of God I I don't want a little place so the enemy can kind of disturb and disrupt I I don't want a little spot I I don't want to just have this little place that I kind of kept free of ownership. No, no, no. I'll tell you what we want. We want to get as close as we can to the synagogue. We want to get as close as we can to the house of God. There's power in our proximity. I'll tell you what. When we get as close as we can, the enemy doesn't have a foothold. The enemy can't get in and, and disrupt. The enemy can't get in and, and tear things up. The enemy can't get in and, and just distract and disturb. He, he can't do it. He can't do it. I'll tell you why. Because we're so connected to God that he doesn't have room to get in. I wonder if you'd join with your family one more time. I know that's been our focus today. If your parents were in the room, would you join with them? I don't know. Young people will make you move. I wonder if we'll just connect throughout this this building right now. I wonder if it's direct family or extended family. Singers won't make you leave the platform. But if you've got family in the room, I wonder if you'd go join with them for a moment. I, I wonder if you just kind of connect as as a couple as if you're a single find someone else to join together with but I wonder if we just kind of determine that we're we're going to get as close as we can to the will of God and the work of God and the kingdom of God we're going to get as close as we can to the the purpose of God and the plan of God we're going to get as close as we can to the will of God that, that that whatever it is that the enemy would seek to do, he won't have room to do it. I wonder if someone would just find another person and join with, oh yeah, would you come on and pray with me? I wonder if you'd find someone to pray with right now. And I wonder if we would just agree together. God, God, we're drawing near to one another. We're, we're calling you into the middle of our homes and we're calling you into the middle of our families. God, the invitation is there. God, we don't want any separation. We want there to be room for you to, to you to move. But God, we don't want to give the enemy one single square inch. We don't want to give him any foothold. God, we want, God, we want you to be the king of everything in our lives. 
God, we give you our homes. We give you our families. God, we dedicate ourselves anew and afresh to you. God, we hear the call back to Bethel tonight. We hear that call back to the altar. We we hear the call back to that place of anointing and that place of dedication. God, we we hear the call back to the place of sacrifice. We we hear it tonight. God, I I pray, Jesus, that you would move in our homes. I I ask father that you would bring a spirit of revival i pray that you would release god your word god without any hindrance don't let any man come in between your purpose and your plan let this church god become connected to every home and to every family god to every couple if it's a single god let it be a single apartment maybe a one bedroom but god they're connected hard to the house of god there isn't anything between them father we're praying god use every little location God, use every home, use every apartment. God, use every place. God, would you establish your purpose? God, release your word with signs following. God, every seed that's placed in the soil, we're asking God that you would let it bring forth fruit. God, we we disturb the nest of the enemy that he thought was so secure. We kick it out, we turn it over. And God, we allow your work to flourish in our own lives, in our own homes, God. We're praying today. Call us. Draw us nearer. Father, we're asking that Capital Community Church become a refuge. Let it be a refuge from despair. Let it be a refuge from hopelessness. God, I pray, let it be a place of revival. Let it be a place of fulfillment. Let it be a place of dedication. God, let it be a place of sending. Let it be a place of mission. God, we're praying. Let's go through the motions of just having church. God, let us be the church, I pray. Come on, I hear it rising in the room right now. Come on, pray. Pray for your family. Pray that the gifts of the Spirit would be loosed. Pray that the devil gets disrupted. 